1: Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans,
0: you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today
1: we're discussing the science of smarter spending.
0: You know what, buddy? This episode is going to be all about maximizing your satisfaction from the dollars that you get to spend mm-hmm. every single day. But should we just cut to the chase and tell folks to that, that they shouldn't be spending money; they should only be investing their money, spend their money on ETFs, that's not widely our jam. diversified, uh, diversified, low-cost index funds. Well, we know we've always said this. There are a lot of people in the space who kind of lean towards that advice.
1: It's kind of like, yeah, you want to buy something you enjoy? That's dumb. <laughs> you should be investing for your future instead. And that's just. A, a poor way to treat people one it's not going to be long lasting
0: you're going and to be, you're going to burn out because yeah. there are i would say an infinitesimally small number of folks who could actually stick to that kind of yeah, plan. It's right? unhelpful and the reality is it's not fun
1: either. We want to we're not robots. We want to have, find that balance, right? Where mm-hmm. we are like we talk about all the time, saving and investing for the future while like living life to the fullest now. And that doesn't always mean spending a lot of money. Like I think sometimes that's the other side of the equation, right? Is like, oh, to live life to the fullest means I got to spend a lot of money. No, not true. You don't have to to have a great life. So we're going to kind of try to
0: strike that balance, talk about... But it does mean spending your money in smarter ways, yeah. not necessarily more, but just being smart about it. Exactly. So we're going to even kind of include some science in this uh, episode
1: as we discuss <laughs> how to spend more intelligently. But before we to that, Matt, I wanted to mention my girls this past weekend. They uh, ended up playing in there like the best they've ever played like five hours together all they wanted to do was play hey. in the room all all day it was great it was great so me and the little dude were just kind of palling around in the house and but like the crazy thing is we had like some extra packaging laying around the house and so they kind of built their own barbie house out of this packaging classic yeah which is the, so cool they're playing with the
0: box proud Not of them the toys themselves
1: the interesting thing though <laughs> is that my oldest daughter already had she has like an actual Barbie playhouse mm-hmm. that we got like secondhand from one of these like one of these resale shops, and she just she hasn't played with it a ton, which is which <laughs> is fun, uh, which is interesting. But for some reason, they were enthralled with this, like, box this I Barbie house of their own making.
0: Yeah, so, And they, I, get to, they get to decide where the rooms are, and, no, no, no. That's yeah. not a bedroom. That's a bathroom. It just makes me think a couple of things, though. One, that, I don't know, maybe that was a wasted buying <laughs> Barbie house back in the day. <laughs> Even getting it used on a sell-and-swap. Yeah. You never know. Maybe we should have opted for the cardboard boxes. Right. <laughs> we just, like, never know which toys your kids are gonna end up playing yeah. with. But Isn't it, that it, funny, though? Like, like, how there are certain items that they look really cool, but oftentimes they don't necessarily lead to creativity. Like mm-hmm. they, they don't lead to kids in particular being innovative and and just creating something for themselves.
1: Yeah. And it makes me wonder too, if I should talk to my daughter about, hey, if you want to sell this and then put money towards something you're actually going to use. More boxes. <laughs> <laughs> we can get more of those for free probably. But yeah, so towards something else. Like uh, those are the kind of decisions I'm thinking about with my kids to help teach them a value of a dollar. It's like, hey, you don't don't have to get rid of your stuff. But if it turns out there's some toys you're just not using, maybe decluttering a little bit, but also kind of finding a way to see if they're going to want to sell some of their stuff. It just kind of sparked that idea in my head.
0: Maybe we need to make that a reality. This spring, when people like doing spring cleaning, maybe we do some ourselves. Yeah, man, that's right. Spring cleaning is just around the bend. It'll be here before we know it. All right, let's introduce our beer that we are going to enjoy during this episode. This one is called Song of Winter. This is another beer by Hill Farmstead Brewery, sent to us by Michael and Emily. Thank you to you both for donating. Uh, This is the last of the four beers that they sent our way, but I'm looking forward to enjoying this one and uh, sharing our thoughts at the end of the episode. For
1: sure, but let's get on to the subject at hand. We're talking about
0: the science of smarter spending today on
1: the show, and Matt, this made me think of board games. A lot of things make me think of board games, because I just really like board
0: games. Because they're the best. Yeah, you do too. But Was that that the... Was that the second ever episode we did, or the third, or something? It was early on. I don't know. It's like one of the earliest episodes. We were like, "All right, well, let's, let's break down all the different connections between board games and personal finance." Yeah,
1: well, and, and it's just one of those inexpensive hobbies that you can has a lot of replayability, right? So even if you drop thirty or forty bucks, fifty bucks, on an awesome game, the reality is you can get a ton of plays out of that game. Which means your dollar just feels like it's going a lot further right mm-hmm. and and part of what makes them fun you know besides getting to play them with friends and family is the competition for scarce resources right that's like an elemental part of most of the great board games oh, out yeah. there and it, it takes a few times around the board to get the resources that you need to let's say in the the settlers of Catan, which is one of the the biggest you know or at least longest standing Great board
0: games. It's like the it's the gateway drug of board games for sure. Like I feel like it's oftentimes the first one. one and of those, by the way, one of those first German classics. Oh yeah, uh, we we used to always call that one Settlers. By the way, but now I don't even think they put settlers on the box on, on the newer versions. It just says Catan. Well, it's easier to it's five letters, but settlers it stands out. Katan. What, what is that? What no, Katan is that word? definitely <laughs> the most recognizable
1: of those words. I don't know. I like saying settlers. But when you're going around the board, you're, you're trying to make settlements, cities. You're trying to get development cards that help you rack up victory points in this game, right? And you just don't get them all immediately, and you're trading back and forth. And you know, Matt, you we you and I we used to play that game back in the day, but we recently revisited it. The with our wives we played Mm -hmm. on a recent trip we had a blast but like the game is all about trade-offs where are you going to build the road if you have the resources to do it should you scrap your road building altogether, right in favor of another plan you just can't do it all uh, and you can't get everything you want all at once and if you could that would make the game real quick but also probably (laughs) really boring.
0: would be a lot of fun if it was just shooting fish in the barrel. And
1: that's kind of the way life is in a lot of ways, right? Mm -hmm. Like our our money lives are uh, kind of like a game of Catan. As individuals, we're always making trade-offs. Should I take that vacation or should I contribute to my Roth IRA? Should I get those new shoes or should I go out and have a nice dinner? How do we decide these
0: things, these questions that we come across almost every day that's kind of what today's episode's all about that's right and by the way i'm not going to rub it in but i'm pretty sure i was the uh, the winner yeah. of that round of seven i've settlers. been on a severe <laughs> losing streak lately and i'm not okay with it i will say it took me a few minutes until after i won but we used to do this thing that whoever won the game that all the other players had to say all hail lord of catan it's just a, another way of just making all of your friends hate you even yeah. more oh, yeah. after you've whipped out those three final victory points. It's definitely salt in the wound. <laughs> it is. So you're talking about the resources that we can, we get, and you know, as we're playing a game of settlers, but our our resources, the the amount of money that we have on hand, is obviously limited as well. And so we are all constantly making these decisions about how it is that we should allocate our dollars, so that we can maximize our satisfaction while still. Uh, making the money moves that a fully grown adult really needs to be doing, you know, given the future things that we're saving up for as well. But uh, aside from saving towards retirement, we often find ourselves stuck in a similar situation when it comes to the stuff that we want to buy, right? We're we're torn between the decision of spending some, some big money on an item that we know is going to last versus maybe a, an inferior item. It's going to get the job done, at least for a little bit, before it breaks, right? (laughs) Uh, And so how should we approach some of these different spending decisions because concessions are necessary, uh, just like in Catan. We can't do it all at once, and uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, that's like the preeminent reality in macro and microeconomics:
1: is scarcity, scarcity and trade-offs. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, a main problem we bump up against, right, as we try to become more intentional in our spending, is planned obsolescence. And oh yeah, this is summed up with the phrase: "They don't make them like they used to." <laughs> uh, if you've heard someone over the age of fifty say that, I don't think anyone over the age of fifty hasn't said that phrase. Right. That's just kind that's of really true. It's part of getting older you start to say those things. I think I found myself saying stuff like that more and more as I'm like, you know, I'm not I'm not over the hill yet like you, Matt, but I'm, I'm getting closer.
0: <laughs> now that I'm 40, I say
1: it once a week. Understandable, as you should. And like we all tend to point our fingers at a, a lot of items that do this, right? There's, there's fast fashion, there's home appliances, electronics all come to mind. Textbooks are one of those Textbook examples of <laughs> something that is made to be obsolete pretty quickly. There's a new edition every couple of years, and so the one you bought, uh, if you bought it too early, well, it doesn't work for the class, and and then maybe you can't actually sell it for anything. It's worthless by the time you're done with that class too. But we've all experienced it, right? Where the the newer model is lacking because it's not made with the same standards, the same rigor, mm-hmm. and oftentimes we don't even have the choice to offer the product that's going to last the longest and bring us the most satisfaction because companies and manufacturers aren't delivering quality goods. It's, again, it's baked into the business model of the company for their item to fail after a certain number of years or to stop updating the software so that you can't actually use it the way you wanted to. After a certain period of time, you'll be back at their doorstep making another purchase.
0: That's the way they like it. That's right. Yeah. So uh, let's let's give an example here. Should you buy a Yeti cooler? <laughs> I don't even know how much those things cost, but I'm pretty sure they're in the the hundreds of dollars. I kind of think like 250 for a decent Yeti cooler. You think so? Which okay. is crazy. So you can either which, do by that. By the way, did you see that the news story
1: that Yeti coolers were washing up on the shores of Alaska? Uh, yeah. How, how cool is that? Like. Uh,
0: Enter, enterprising <laughs> young folks
1: were like just sitting there with their trucks ready and waiting to pounce. I have
0: a hard time believing that that actually wasn't like a publicity campaign. Maybe, maybe it was, yeah. <laughs> where they're just like, our coolers are so bad A that they're going to be like floating out at sea and they're still going to be solid. They're still going to have the ability to keep your beverage cold. But you don't have to go the Yeti route, right? Because instead you could go to the gas station, you could drop five bucks and get yourself a, a decent styrofoam cooler. But so, first of all, the dichotomy—it doesn't have to be that extreme, right? Like I've got a twenty-five-dollar backpack cooler from Costco. It does what it, what I need it to do. Keeps all the beverages cool in there while we go out to the beach. That's the most important thing a cooler does. <laughs> Although, right, it's it's unlikely to last for decades, like uh, a Yeti product claims. Uh, but I think that's that's totally fine with me. But the thing is, the variety of options that we have open to us allows for like a like a different strokes for different folks kind of approach. And so we can each opt to purchase what we want to suit our specific needs. Uh, And so before you click buy, it's just wise to think through how long you're going to want a product and and what it is that you plan to use it for. That'll help you to answer the question if whether or not you really need a a $200 cooler or if you're just itching to, you know, have that name brand to to show off next time you go to the go to the lake or something like that. Um, Do you plan to use this cooler more than once or are you planning to put fish bait in it, and it's yeah. going to make it really stinky, and it's going to be something that you end up tossing right away. Probably don't want to do that with your Yeti cooler. Exactly. But if you do want to keep it f- forever, because you're you're thinking, I'm going to always want my beers to be cold, <laughs> then, then I don't know, maybe spending more on the more expensive cooler is the way to go. Bottom line, we are all making trade-offs. We just want you to know the ones that you are making before you make a purchase. That way you are making a smart spending decision. Yeah. What am I going to use this for is a great question to ask because it will help inform the choice
1: you make. Whereas you might just be susceptible for the name brand or the cool new look when you you know what, you're not actually going to use it in the way that it was intended and the price point just doesn't make sense for what you plan to use it for. Absolutely. And and I think planned obsolescence, Matt, that that can also be just like really frustrating as a consumer as well. Oh yeah. Uh, Nobody likes to be in the middle of a project and have a tool break that's that's never fun. Nobody likes being on vacation and having their beach chair fold in on them. I feel like you have made uh, really uh, cheap
0: uh, beach chair decisions in the past. Hey, I still have those... Uh, that orange and yellow chair that I got from Publix, uh, they still hold up. Okay. All right. So Sorry, I, sorry Mr. Tommy of Bahama. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got mine at Costco. And of course, you know, I can return them anytime if they suck. <laughs> but they're
1: also, they're built to last for a lot longer. And they weren't that much more money. So I was totally okay with that purchase. But it's I think it's important to f- uh, not to forget to calculate the annoyance factor of feeling like your cheap crap is breaking on the reg into mm-hmm. uh, and, and your purchasing decisions. Because, you know, the fact that the cheap item just isn't getting the job done as well as it could be that matters, right? Mm-hmm. And so keep in mind that not only are you wasting your own money it, by buying something that's going to break down on you rather quickly, that's not going to last as long as you'd like it to, but you're also adding one more tchotchke to the mountains of trash that we all contribute yeah. to. So yeah, thinking about those decisions, how long you need this item to last is is important too before you make a purchase.
0: It's true. Yeah, there's an, an environmental impact as well. Uh, but you know, even though we really dislike the concept of planned obsolescence, especially you mentioned like computers or, or phones that are no longer capable of updating like who decides that the company decides that and they're just going to decide that okay you now have to buy a new device right. from us. my parents they finally just upgraded from the iphone 7 to nor like to
1: the, the newest model and was,
0: was it because they were no longer receiving software updates no i don't think so i think yeah.
1: they like they, they were just like okay these things are getting long in the okay. tooth but it's one of the like i feel like iphone supports their stuff longer than android does and i was actually disappointed i think we talked about it on the show when some of the pixel phones
0: oh that's right yeah. when I after like three years they yeah. stopped
1: receiving updates and that just feels whereas sevens came out what like
0: f- five years ago or yeah something? I don't and, and know. I think those,
1: those pixel phones like they could still work for a lot of people but Google just doesn't want them to work for you anymore.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Uh, The evil conglomerate. And I still have a pixel saying that as a pixel (laughs) owner myself. But bottom line, like we're kind of dragging planned obsolescence through the mud a little bit, right? But even with that being said, I I think there's a silver lining to planned obsolescence that that I think is important to point out. uh, And that's the fact that it, it allows for there to be more affordable goods available to more people who otherwise wouldn't have the opportunity to make that purchase. Right, so not everyone can afford the the nicest, uh, or even like the middle of the road option. So going back to the cooler example, like sometimes the most affordable five dollar option is going to be all that someone can actually swing. Well, and going back to the smartphone example, the Pixel phones can be in
1: the two hundred oh. something dollar range when the newest iPhones it's are be like twice as much, a thousand dollars or more, oftentimes. So exactly. yeah, it's a big discrepancy, and so yeah, they're not going to last as long. But But man, they cost a lot more, a lot less money.
0: Yeah, I think the most important thing here, though, is that there are options for folks. And I think a lot of times this is when folks might want to demonize capitalism to a certain extent. They're like, oh, of course, they're they're just out for profits and they're, they're, you know, they're going to brick my phone, whatever it is that folks are saying out there. But fact is, if that means that there is somebody who has access to a supercomputer, basically, in their pocket, and they're trying to climb the ranks of society. And and for a lot of folks, that means being able to be in touch with an employer if, if they're trying to reach out and, or fill a shift, something like that. I think there are a lot of advantages for something like a more affordable phone as opposed to dropping a 1000 bucks on not even the newest iPhone, but maybe one that's been released fairly recently. Yeah. Well, so when we're talking about spending smarter,
1: I guess one of the things we want to avoid, is, and it's not completely avoidable is some of the, the the retailer tricks that make some of their items obsolete much quicker so we want to be thoughtful in our purchases but it, you know sometimes it is that the products themselves are are the problem and you know it's up to us to determine which product is going to get the job done before we actually yep. make that transaction got to be savvy consumers yeah but mm. other times we are the problem and so after the break we're going to talk about how to uh, make a mental shift for mm. for how we spend and how we think about spending so we can make smarter decisions moving forward buying the stuff that's actually going to move the needle on the happiness front for us we'll discuss right after this
0: All right, we are still talking through the science of smarter spending, and Joel. Before we, before we dive into you know some of these adjustments that we can make to our mindset uh, in order to internally adjust how we can approach spending more intelligently, let's dwell for a little bit longer on how products are made. Mm. I think because of the planned obsolescence culture that we live in, um, oftentimes we're primed to think that all of our purchases are disposable in some form of fashion, right? But I think this is often like just a self-fulfilling prophecy causing us to, in fact, engage in throwaway consumer behavior. So, what you're <laughs> saying is it's not always the item. It's not always the
1: manufacturer. Oftentimes, it's our mindset because yeah. we feel like everything around us
0: is, is tossable trash to a certain extent that we just kind of participate in that economy. Sure, sure. I mean, and I, I do think some of the responsibility... Like definitely lies with us. Because I think on one hand, somebody might blame companies because they're saying, well, everything is just cheap and everything is meant to be thrown away. Everything is disposable. And they make it harder to fix sometimes, right? Therefore, everything I buy I throw away when it's looking a little long in the tooth, when it's looking a little ragged, right? Uh, But yeah, simultaneously, it also comes down to us as individuals. It comes down to how we think about things. Uh, I I think we have the ability to fight back and instead opt to buy items that are just made better or or that have better warranties. Because if a company stands behind its product uh, to the tune of a stellar return policy, I think we should be more willing to purchase from that company, even if it ends up costing us more. I think we can expect to pay a little bit more because what you're paying for is an item. You're paying a little bit more for an item that should be a, a, a whole lot better. Yeah. Um, but again, I do think as consumers, we've just, to a certain extent, I think we've gotten lazier and instead of maintaining items and cleaning items and changing the oil in our item, <laughs> like there are all sorts of ways that we should, I think, be more prone to taking care of the things that we have. But I think some of this comes down to us and we just want things to be easy. We're lazy. And oftentimes we'd rather just buy a new cheap thing that's shiny and fresh. That's got that fresh out of the plastic new smell. Sure. Rather than figuring out how to like change the batteries and something Well that makes me think of the the buy it for life movement,
1: which I think is mm-hmm. is cool to see. I think it's kind of like gaining some steam. More and more people are saying, I'm gonna try to buy stuff that's actually gonna stand the test of time. And it's not like this massive massive movement. I'm sure it's it's just a, a few sporadic people, right, around the country. But that is something that I can get behind because it's it's consumers reacting to the planned obsolescence trend and they are choosing to buy items that are are made to stand the test of time that are made to last a whole lot longer and they're backing companies who are making these items. And so we are just like kind of Racking on the price of a Yeti a little bit, like they're they're not cheap coolers, right? And I think a large part of the interest in Yetis is kind of a name brand fascination, which I'm not on board with. But I will say it's a dope looking logo.
0: It looks cool. Is it is it uh Austin FC the uh, soccer? MLS oh yeah, soccer they're sponsored team. by Yeti. They, yeah, they got the Yeti. It looks. Their I jerseys say, look great. Yeti written across the, those four letters across the front of their jerseys looks pretty nice. It looks great. <laughs> it does look great. And this is coming from somebody who does not own a Yeti. Man, they are getting so much airtime today. I feel <laughs> Like we should just completely switch to like Microsoft or something. We like, could. Like <laughs> well, but, totally but let's different. keep
1: going on this on this for a second because they are one of the companies that do make a great product that will last for decades to come. And so we're not saying that everyone should go out there and buy one. Matt, you don't own one. I don't own one. I don't plan on owning
0: one. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I did, I really didn't know how much they cost. I'm looking at some that are like 260. Here's one for 450 bucks for like the big
1: boy. Yeah. So that's a lot of money. Not cheap. But again, some people, it might be worth it. They might get enough value from it. Other people might just be buying into the hype. They don't need it. Uh, And they don't need the most invincible cooler known to man or whatever (laughs) yet he's making. But it's helpful to know which brands are flipping the script on our disposable culture. And I think when we highlight those brands and when we highlight the retailers that are kind of promoting long-term ownership and they're promoting selling goods that are of higher quality, that's the kind of thing that we should all be getting behind.
0: Yeah, and aside from the fact that they last longer, I think it's okay to buy certain items that we... That that mean a little bit more to us as individuals just to appreciate the craftsmanship of an item, right? Because not only will it last longer, not only does that mean that we will spend less in that category of expense, hopefully for the rest of our lives, but I think there's something to be said to appreciating like the artistry or appreciating the the craftsmanship that goes into a quality item and the job that oftentimes they're able to do Uh um, in a much superior way, I guess, to their inferior but more affordable counterparts that are out there. Uh, but we did want to highlight a few specific brands and you know, just shine a light on companies that are prioritizing making solid products. Uh, and again, they, they almost always cost more than the cheapest version that you could pick up at Walmart or at like Dollar General. But it's at least worth mentioning several brands that we think do a good job in this realm. And so from personal example, Darn Tough socks are amazing. They've got these lifetime, I've got like two pairs of Darn Tough socks, but I can't wait. To continue wearing these bad boys, and then one day when there's a hole in it or something happens to them, to be able to send them back yeah. and I think have even that like company <laughs> replace them. A decade later, you're like, hey, I've had these for a long yes, time. They're like that's okay. Lifetime warranty. No worries. We'll um, send you a new pair. Aldi, they've got the twice as nice guarantee. L.L. Bean, they've actually modified their... Um, cause they used to have like, that lifetime warranty. Yeah, they're uh, still great, but they're not as good as they used to be. Same as with as
1: Costco. They've got great, but they had to dial it back because of some... You know, uh, customers taking advantage of their extremely generous return policy. But uh, so, like, electronics only have, I think, like 90 days.
0: But most other purchases, a lot of other purchases, you still have the ability to return them for life. Yeah. Uh, Zappos, Dewalt, Craftsman, Filson, Patagonia. These are all a bunch of different companies out there who do a really good job standing behind their products. Mm-hmm. Uh, interestingly enough, <laughs> even though IKEA, it definitely doesn't make the cut from like an heirloom furniture company <laughs> or anything like that, but they still have a one year return policy. And I think that's a, a nice happy medium. And that being said, like we know that there are more companies out there than just the the few that we've mentioned. And so if there's a, a company that you are a fan of or that has just treated you really well, actually head over to the Facebook group uh, over on Facebook, How to Money, hop on there and share some of the different companies uh, who you have interacted with who have treated you well because honestly those we, we, we if you have the ability to those are the kind of companies that we would love to be able to support more yeah. and we sh- want other shout them out because we, we sh- as well we shouted out a few here but um, we
1: know there are more if you know ones that really stand behind their products that have a great return policy and just have high, high levels of craftsmanship even if it costs more uh, then I think that those are, th- it's at least worth letting people know so they can say, okay, I normally spend, you know, 20 bucks on a belt. This place makes belts that are $100. There was, I forget what the, is it Hank's belts or something like that? Oh,
0: yeah. And I'm like, within our research, we, yeah, stumbled yeah, upon them. I don't know that I care enough. About belts, yeah, yeah. It's like, am I am I a hundred dollar belt guy yet? I don't know, but (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I
1: am. But you know, it's nice to know that they exist, and it's nice to know they're making something quality that's going to last a long time. But here's the other thing: the 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 flip side of the coin, math, It's important to mention because cost does not necessarily equal quality. That is true. That makes it even tougher out there as uh, an individual consumer walking through this world. It's not a direct correlation, and and sometimes you're paying for a name brand. For a hot new look not something that's made better and you can't just equate the price tag to the quality that you're getting is a balenciaga purse for instance made better than other purses that cost a whole lot less I don't know but i doubt
0: it yeah uh, there's just a I think, lot i think it's more the name and yeah the scribbles that they stick on there and the <laughs> signaling
1: that you're sending out to the world that hey i wear balenciaga uh, but yeah you just can't assume that just because the price tag is high that it's bound to last forever or that the company stands behind the stuff that they make and another important question to ask is if i opt to pay more for this item uh, not only will it last longer, but also will I use it for a longer period of time? Because even if it doesn't wear out on us, we might get tired of that item. And I think that's particularly true uh, when we're talking about fashion related purchases, Matt, like when you opt to spend more on higher quality goods, try and get things that you're likely to want to use for years to come that are going to kind of stand the test of time. I think about that with clothing. I'm more willing to buy a more expensive article of clothing if it's more neutral and it's something that i'm like oh i'm gonna wear that yep. for a lot of years but it feels more like a staple yeah like an essential as opposed to like something that's really flashy yes exactly like, chances
0: are you're not gonna like that flashy thing in a couple, <laughs> in a couple right. of years it's fun right now but it's probably not something that i'm gonna wear for years to come exactly that's that's actually a pretty good argument for a more expensive belt <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. i'm like i'm not hardly ever looking for anything special or fancy or flashy out of my belt i want it to Fit through my belt loops, hold my pants up. Yeah. What you know? you're looking for out of a belt doesn't really change
1: much over the years, <laughs> at least I don't know, from oh. basic
0: dudes like us. Although that being said, literally the belt I, I have right now is a belt that I purchased in college. And so this is, I mean, we're talking like decades ago yeah. now, <laughs> but this is a belt I purchased from Abercrombie and Fitch. I don't know how they did it, but this thing is still holding up and it's my favorite belt. You've always been an Abercrombie and Fitch guy. so <laughs> You used to actually be a model. Uh, you oh. stand out front out, out front of the store with your shirt off. Of, yeah.
1: I still do sometimes, <laughs> but I don't get paid for it now.
0: Uh, in fact, you get escorted out of the mall. <laughs> like, it it, to sir. do that. Come with us. <laughs> okay, but then there are going to be some instances where it doesn't make sense to, to buy the thing at all. Uh, it doesn't make sense to go the cheap route. It doesn't make sense to go the really expensive route because you're unlikely to ever need that item again. And in those situations, we should consider renting or borrowing those items. Kate and I were talking through maybe doing some some yard projects here in the spring. And you know what would be foolish? Is if I went out and bought a little mini bulldozer Literate, like a little front-end loader because we're, we're talking about... I don't it know. Like, that sounds like fun. You should get one. <laughs> well, I'm thinking about renting one because yeah. this is likely going to be an item that I used once or, you know, like I would use it the whole weekend. But it would be incredibly foolish to go out and buy one of those, to buy a massive tool like that. But generally speaking, I don't think that this gets talked about enough. And obviously, renting a front-end loader or something like that is a fairly extreme example. But for instance, borrowing an article of clothing that you'll probably need only once isn't taboo. It's awesome. <laughs> but that being said, there are other places that you can borrow from as well. And I guess mine's in the space of tools and whatnot. But there are tool banks out there. You can look up uh, localtools.org and locate tool banks near wherever it is that you live. And honestly, just libraries in general. Um, I think those are worth mentioning as well. Looking to some of the different options that are available to us. And to be honest, there are uh, they are options that you pay for with your taxes. Mm-hmm. And so these are... Resources that are available to us that I think we should
1: all take advantage of more often. When you mentioned borrowing clothing, by the way, there's stuff like Rent the Runway out there. But you could also literally just ask a friend. Oh,
0: yeah. I'm talking about like asking your neighbor. Yeah, because if I needed a blazer because
1: I don't dress up very much, but I knew a friend, same size, he had one that I could probably use just for a night because literally I dress up like once a year. I've got like one nice suit, but let's say I needed something a little fancier. I, I could reach out to a friend and ask. I mean, I could try one of those services online where I could rent something, but I could also just yeah, borrow. I think that we, we've kind of gotten away from asking friends mm-hmm. to yeah. borrow stuff. And the more we like reincorporate that, the more money we can save. But i say it's like a community building effort too, where we just like start to borrow from one another more regularly. I think that's just a healthy way to live.
0: Totally. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, th- I think this is one area where online shopping has sort of uh, weakened the fabric of our communities because I feel like that would have been something or, you know, borrowing a tool from a neighbor. Like that's the kind of, those are the, some of those weak, it's Not I don't want to call them weak, but like casual connections that reinforce, that strengthen the community. Mm-hmm. And when it it is so stinking easy just to order something online and just have it show up, well, I mean, don't we want to do things that, that are that's easy? Yeah. I mean, we've got busy lives and just I can just hop on the app and order it as opposed to texting and asking a bunch of questions, going back and forth, having them you know set it out in their garage or setting it out on, their, you Even know, on you the. Even if you don't know street. them super
1: well and you're like, I don't know, maybe this is an imposition or yeah. I, yeah, I just moved in the neighborhood. I don't know that neighbor super well. But these are kind of the ways that you deepen those ties that like the fabric of a community grows as opposed to deteriorates, yeah, right? Totally and, agree. and it might sound weird. I think a lot of people actually start to think of it as like imposing on somebody else or that you're being lazy or you're being cheap by asking. But I don't think so. I don't think that's how it works. And I think there's a reciprocity that can take place. And then you lend yeah. something to them in the future, or, you know, give them a couple eggs that are worth a million dollars now because <laughs> eggs are so expensive. I mean, there's just, there's so many ways I think that you can encourage that where you live without just going to the online resource or, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, borrowing from a friend makes a lot of sense to me for uh, for a lot of different things that you might need. But uh, so far, we've kind of addressed the problem of quality versus quantity to a certain extent. Like, you don't need eight coolers. You might need one great cooler. But for the most part, this is an issue that lies outside of ourselves. These are external problems on the purchasing front that we've discussed. But another major problem is internal. It's the mindless consumption that most of us all take part in. And I say most of us. I include myself in that because I'm not immune from kind of you ain't perfect. No, I'm I'm not immune from the realities of kind of our consumer culture. And I'm try try to be cognizant of it. I try to combat it, but it doesn't mean I do it perfectly. And so I yeah, I, I think it's important to mention that these are things that Matt and I struggle with as well. But they're things that, yeah, I think we all need to work to combat together. And one economist he referred to our inability to rein in our spending desires as trickle-down behaviorism, which I think is a really good definition, and I see that happening too. I see other people spending in certain ways, and it kind of, I don't know, it it primes the pump for me to spend in ways that I might not otherwise choose to do either. You're like, I got money. Yeah. I... I want that thing, too. Well, if they can do it, if they can afford it, why don't I do Mm -hmm. that? And, And so, yeah, I think a decent chunk of the American public, they kind of tend to base consumption choices on what they're seeing others do around them. And when we're marching to the beat of other people's drummers, we're bound to find ourselves making decisions that aren't in our own best interest and which cause us to spend money in ways that don't line up with our own personal goals. You know our own personal desires, and it's it's also known as keeping up with the Joneses, of course, like you've heard that term. But that's why starting to think more about what we want, not what our culture tells us we should want, is an important step to take. And kind of like another nerdy term here, Matt, that uh, is called compensatory consumption. And probably the best example of this is a guy in like a yellow sports car. You're like, oh, what's he?
0: What's he? What's he? Uh, what's he making up for? Yeah, uh, yeah,
1: he's compensating for something right and so but we often do this in smaller more subtle ways too and we tend to tend to spend at least sometimes in ways that are making up for other ways in which we feel like our lives aren't what we want them to be and that leads to a precarious financial position for a lot of people it's just it's poor spending but
0: largely goaded by the fact that like other parts of our lives just aren't going exactly the way we hoped. That's right. And kind of going back to what you were saying, too, about keeping up with the Joneses. So if we're highlighting the fact that we are spending in ways that they think we should be spending, I think that brings up another problem, right? What do we actually want to spend our money on? You know, what kind of spending is actually going to make us happy? Well, we'll discuss how to begin thinking through that right after the break. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial.
1: All right, Matt, let's keep going. We're talking about the science of smarter spending on today's episode, of course, and we want we want how to money listeners to, you know, not fall prey to planned obsolescence. We want them to buy better things that are gonna last longer and or buy fewer things altogether and rent more stuff, maybe. All those kinds of things I think are helpful in kind of curbing the cycle of just like spending more than we should. But then we have to really address the core issue. And I think that's what we're gonna get into here, which is what matters. To me, as an individual, what moves the needle mm-hmm. from a purchase perspective? Because the the truth is, some of the things that we buy are meaningful. We we even did uh, an episode back in the day, Matt, on experiences versus things, and a lot of the literature goes, shows that buying experiences matters most. We'll talk about that in a second, but like it's that that's true to a certain extent, but some of the things we buy mean a lot to us too. There are definitely some things that I own that I place a lot of value on. like my bike is one of them, right? And if I if my bike got stolen, it would feel a lot worse than someone taking that money out of my bank account even, right? Because I've got, I just have like a lot of history with this thing. And sometimes the things we own can have that deep of a tie to who we are. Um, and, and, but like not everything we own should have that probably. We shouldn't have a relationship to everything we own. Probably true. That's that extreme. But l- you know, let's focus on spending less on the things that the culture is steering us towards and more on the things that matter the most to us. I think it's a really important thing when it comes to spending smartly and who we follow on social media directly impacts our mental state and how likely we are to go out there and spend like maniacs. If you're following celebrities and fashion influencers and and they're putting you in the wrong state of mind, that could lead
0: to spending in ways that you don't want to, right? Literally it's in their name. Yeah. <laughs> Influencers. Like like their goal <laughs> is to get you to do something that companies are paying them to get you to do. Yeah, I'll oh, click the link below for 10% <laughs> off and you're like, "Woohoo, all right, that's great." Well, I mean, in who you
1: like specifically curating that feed is one way to kind of reduce that that cycle of buying things that you weren't otherwise thinking about purchasing. And it's it's important too to work towards reducing our wants. And the thing is, and something that I think we we often fail to realize is that our, our pension to overspend uh, means we'll be forced to reduce our wants in the future to pay for prior spending yeah. so we're you, unwilling or no
0: have the option yeah, in the
1: future we're unwilling your
0: spending today
1: to do it right now to say no to the thing that we want, which means that we're going to have to, future us is going to have to say no to things because we're paying, you know, likely uh, with an interest rate attached for the things that we bought before. And uh, the truth is, and this is kind of maybe a weird thing to say, but if you set your expectations and your desires low, there's a really good chance you're going to spend less and that you'll actually be happier. And I think the things that we encounter, especially on social media, they kind of elevate our expectations for what our lives should look like. And then we start to spend accordingly because we think our lives should look like that because darn it, if theirs can, why can't mine? And in the end, it actually makes us more indebted and less happy overall.
0: Yeah. Leaving us in a less healthy mental state as well. So yeah, you're talking about social media, but once we've quieted all that noise out there, right, we've put to rest all the messaging telling us what to buy. Uh, I think it's time to get a little, little more introspective to identify your craft beer equivalent. We briefly mentioned this at the beginning of every interview, but we we want to find out for individuals who we're talking to, what is your craft beer equivalent? What is the thing that you are intentionally spending money on now in order to basically prove to yourself that it's not just about deferring happiness and enjoyment Mm -hmm. and leading a life of deprivation now? Uh, And so for some, this will be easy because you already know yourself pretty well. But for others, this, you know, honestly, it might take some some time, it might take some trial and error. Uh, because identifying the spending that moved the needle the most for you, like that might not be the most intuitive process. And so I want to say that, first of all, it's okay to make some mistakes, in particular mistakes that don't cost you a ton of money, because a vital part of spending more on quality is determining the areas of spending that matter the most to you. You know, that, like just keep this in mind, like this is your hard earned money and you're not spending it to impress other people. It's okay to make some mistakes, to make some errors, but we want there to be, I guess smaller price tags associated with those mistakes, with those areas of spending that didn't bring you the most joy necessarily before you're spending out the nose. (laughs) Don't buy a Rivian and then be like, oh, crap. No, I guess I don't really like electric cars. (laughs) Maybe start with a leaf. Yeah. Um, But it's just hard to know, right? If If your craft beer equivalent is travel, if you haven't gone on any sort of trip, don't start with like the four week long international trip, but maybe start with like visiting your local state park or or start with a a local city that you can visit and spend some time in. It's it's good to go ahead and just dip your toe in the waters first to kind of ease on into it. And then, you know, after you try that purchase out, then do just a little bit of reflecting, maybe a little bit of soul searching to see if it's moving the needle for you. Yeah,
1: I think it's always to me, it's always fun to see how other people spend money and what lights them up uh, when they know what excites them when they know what moves the needle and it made me think I I was reading Calypso by David Sedaris recently I was listening to the audio book is that his new one no I think it's a few years ago but I think I'm on on wait at the library Mm -hmm. to get his new one Mm -hmm. but actually it was so good and so funny but he was talking about how he and his sisters like to go shopping in japan at this like weird (laughs) weird store with uh where the clothing almost looks like it's been used or put through like a, a war battlefield is the way he describes it but it's funny that's what he loves and he talks about how it lights him up how he gets so excited and that's just you can tell in so many other ways he's he he probably dialed back. But that is something he's like, I spent a lot of money on that stuff. And I don't care because it's the best experience ever to go do that with my sisters. And I love to see when other people, they kind of know themselves to that extent. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what it takes to know your craft beer equivalent means getting to know yourself a little bit. And like you said, Matt, you might have to make some mistakes in the process of figuring that out. But it's worth figuring out because then you're like happy to spend those dollars as opposed to beating yourself up every time you fork over money to spend on something that you care about, right? Sure,
0: yeah, and well, and, and going but- before we move on, like it makes me think back to at the beginning of the episode when we we're talking about uh, your kids, you know, like the doll, the Barbie Dream House, or yeah. whatever. I think this is when, as parents, it is so important for us to put our kids in situations that allow them to make some mistakes while they still live under our roof, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we want to expose them to the ability to make some errors. I think it's important for them to fail occasionally, but to fail where the, the fail, when the failure is not going to be fatal. Yeah, when the right? stakes are low. When yeah. the stakes are low, exactly. exactly.
1: And this is going to be a good chance for me to talk about trade-offs with my oldest daughter, too, which is, like we said, just a massive part of spending wisely. Like, cool. Now, that this isn't necessarily a sunk cost. You might be able to get some of your money back for this and, and spend it on something that you care about more, mm-hmm. which is also true. Like, we can sometimes sell things, right? When we're like, oh, that was a mistake. Well, then get that thing out of your life, right? Sell it and move on and use that money need to buy something that is going to make a difference, that is something that you're going to want want to have. And you know, we've spent uh, a lot of this episode already talking about stuff, Matt, but let's talk about experiences for a second because they are, I think. uh, I I think stuff is underrated sometimes buying the right things, but experiences are often one of the best ways to maximize the utility of your dollars because we're we're all for low cost or even free outings with friends. But this is probably an area in life that you intentionally uh, choose to spend more on in order to lead to much more happiness. Part of what's cool about spending money on experience, is, is often the anticipation that you get in advance of that experience. And then also the memories that you get as you look back on that experience. So Matt, we just, you know, we just went on a trip actually, and then we're about to go on another trip later this spring. And the, I'm already, I'm already excited about it planning it as we're talking about it, thinking about Heck it. Yeah, and I'm already looking back at our recent trip together where we just made some awesome memories with our wives. We had a great time traipsing around Louisville, Kentucky, and there's all sorts of just joy associated with even just a, a short weekend trip like that. Uh, I think experiences are, and they really can be, one of the best uses of our dollars because via the memories, via the pictures, they can almost like uh, be the gift that keeps on giving in that way, right? And But it's it's also not just that shoulder season trip to Iceland that provides a payoff. Uh, Iceland I think is still one of the hot destinations right now, but mm-hmm. but buying your time back and having more margin is a pretty sweet use of your dollars too. That's true from an overall, you know, financial independence perspective. Uh, when you're talking about like, you know, trying to retire early or something like that, then yeah, having more money in your banking account really does allow you to leave work before you thought you'd be able to or leave work earlier than most. But it also can impact your day-to-day, right? And uh, free time is hard to come by. But those who feel like they have more of it are often more willing to do other things that are good for them, like exercise and volunteer, which are two great habits. So I think at times, you know, uh, it, it might be worth testing some spending on maybe paying someone to do lawn care or house cleaning for you so that you can have more time to do some of the things that matter to you. It might not even be buying more stuff. It might be buying more of your time back to enjoy the things that you care about, even if it's as simple as like laying in your hammock, reading a book.
0: That's true, man. And I think this is really important to bring up as well, because it can be difficult for folks to choose intentionally choose to not do tasks that they are very capable and physically able to do in order to do something else. Um, Oftentimes when we're younger, we have less money, right? Like we've got less money and plenty of time, Mm -hmm. uh, but for uh, like the more wealth you build up, oftentimes those two things flip and you're like, oh man, I'm realizing like, well, we're doing great with our finances. We're on track for retirement, whatever financial goals we've set for ourselves. Uh, it seems like that that's working out. But oftentimes the stressor uh, revolves around time. And so I, I totally agree. I think this is a way that we can proactively reclaim some of that time by paying for, for some of those things. Um, and again, I think it's, it's something that we oftentimes have to challenge ourselves to do because truly the frugal approach would, would be to say, uh, oh, I, well, I can do that if, and if I am capable of doing that. Why should I pay somebody else to do that? Um, It's like, well, well, like, what is it that you're trying to get more of in your life? Okay. So, but once you've identified that, you know, like the things, like the items or the different experiences that make you the happiest, I think something that you can do to to heighten your your satisfaction even more is by making your purchase a rare treat. Um, I think the more regularly that we do something, the less special it becomes, right? And so, like we were just talking about travel. I think there's a, a massive difference between taking a couple awesome week-long trips every single year and living a life of just perpetual nonstop travel. Yeah. All of a sudden, it probably doesn't feel all that special anymore if you're just constantly, je- like that's just your new normal. Uh, and that hedonic treadmill kicks in and before you know it, you don't even realize that you're traveling. This is just your life. Yeah. Oh, but by the way, it's your life that happens to cost a ton of money. It makes me think of talking to Elaine and she talked on Monday about
1: the frugal traveler from the New York Times and she mentioned that one of the things that she does sometimes is use those some of those points she's accrued to upgrade to a nicer seat in the airplane and she's traveling all the time and it's her splurge yeah it's a splurge and it's and I'm like that's a great way to treat it because I know some Mm -hmm. people and it's like uh, if that's all you do first class all the time no matter what all of a sudden that's just the new normal that's the new normal and it it doesn't feel the mm -hmm. same and it doesn't provide the same rewards
0: Yeah, similarly it makes me think of uh, every Monday you and I we go to our local little coffee shop a little stand over there and we order a coffee. We enjoy that that barista made coffee way more when we get it once a week. And as opposed to imagine if we went over there every single day, first of all, just the financial irresponsibility. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We lose our job as how to money hosts. (laughs) We'd lose our street cred if we were doing that. But I don't think we would enjoy it nearly as much. It would just kind of it would become, again, the new normal. Uh, There's just something about the novelty that I think that makes us appreciate the purchase even more. Yeah, man, I think that that's totally true. The, the
1: more we get used to certain things, the less valuable they become. But we kind of continue to expect to do those things. We keep spending money on those things. And yet the payoff uh, isn't quite the same right after a while. And yeah.
0: Makes me think of an old, old personal finance guy that I used to keep up with. And he would say that eventually, if you eat lobster every single day, it just tastes like soap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I've never been a huge lobster fan myself, but I, I get that. Yeah, I get that too. I think
1: if I eat steak every, you get tired of it pretty quick, mm-hmm. right? So um, even the things that you love, if you overdo it, it it one, it's going to be bad for your finances, but two, it's just not going to it's not going to provide the same return on investment. Mm-hmm. Well, and the goal of this episode is is for all of us to really dial in and optimize our spending, but it's likely a great goal. To just spend less overall as well, right? I think that's probably what a lot of Howdy Money listeners sure. want. They are, some of them might have like a 30% savings rate, and they're like, yeah, no, I just, I, not really. I, I think I'm good. No, I'm guys, good I'm good pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> but then there are other people who are like, no, really, that's something I want yeah. is to spend less overall. And uh, there's a, a slogan from one of our favorite people in the personal finance space, uh, Katie Wolk Stanley. She she goes by the the anti-consumer advocate. And what she says is, use it up, wear it out, make it do or do without, and if you follow her on Instagram, she's always doing something to save money. And it's often something that most people just wouldn't even consider. Uh, like she shops at the thrift store regularly. She She's often selling the things that she finds at the thrift store and telling you how much she made, how much she profited by selling it on eBay, which I think is awesome. Like she fixes the stuff that she owns when it's falling apart, even if it's just like a, a cheap pair of sandals. For her, no stone is left unturned. And I love following her because it goads me into leaning harder towards wasting less and making do with what I've Got Matt just kind of like what we were talking about earlier with social media, the influence they can have, like her influence on me when I'm scrolling through social media is a positive one. It's the exact opposite, I think, of what a lot of people are getting in their feed. So follow people like that, that are going to encourage you in the right direction, that aren't going to lead you down the path of like just rampant consumer spending, enticing you towards things that you can't necessarily afford and that you don't
0: necessarily need. Totally agree, man. Yeah, I think it's uh, important for us to start thinking about our purchases from a a different perspective, Uh, because sure, spending more money, it can fix certain problems in our lives but it's not the solution to every problem that we face. Friend of the show, Morgan Housel, he says that spending money to make you happy is hard when you're already happy. And so I think that's just kind of a great quote for us to end on because being content with you know what it is that we have will just make it easier to avoid some of those spending traps that we can fall into when we know ourselves well and we can pinpoint exactly, you know, what actually makes us happy. I think we're going to be less likely to waste our money on either crap that's going to break or the things that that culture and society says that we should be spending our money on. Yeah, I like that quote. I'm going to say it one more time.
1: Spending money to make you happy is hard if you're already happy. That's just a great way to think about it, mm-hmm. right? And we're all going to feel that need, that desire, less. To spend money when we're truly happy, and and, and part of that it comes becomes, with knowing
0: knowing yourself. It becomes more about utility as opposed to the feelings that something that a, that a purchase gives you. Sure, and you know?
1: we all know we've all been there that sometimes it's that the temporary feeling that a purchase can provide. That's what we're seeking, and we're saying Matt and I are saying in this episode, no, 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 no. we want to avoid trying to maximize those fleeting feelings. Right, that sometimes consuming things, buying stuff randomly on the internet can provide, we, we're more about that long-term health. And so hopefully, uh, yeah, spending wisely, hopefully we've given you some tips in this episode yeah. to spend wisely and to spend in a more reflective manner that, that uh, is going to help you achieve those goals that you've got for yourself.
0: That's right. Yeah. And not surprisingly, I, this is, I feel like this is kind of a very balanced approach to spending money, which I think folks should come to expect from us here at How to Money. Yeah. Some, um, sometime, again, where there's the, the classic personal finance way of talking to people is like, stop buying
1: everything. Don't buy anything. You know, only drive a 25 year old used car. And there are certain things like we're hardcore on. <laughs> you and I, we do drive older used cars. We have one car. And that's something that we're one car famous. We're, we're pretty into. But then there are other things where it's like, people would be like, oh, really? You. you bought a $200 jacket?
0: I would have thought you'd been wearing something from the thrift store. And it's like, no, well, that jacket's (laughs) going to last me a long time. And I really like it. So yeah, yeah, but it's really important for me to have a down jacket so I can stay warm in the winter. I I spend a lot of time outside. (laughs) Yeah. And on the bike riding. So yeah, those are the kind of things that like, they're going to be different for
1: each of us as individuals, but they're important for us to think through. Exactly. That's right, man.
0: All right. So the beer you and I enjoyed today was Song of Winter. This is a chocolate stout brewed with fresh cocoa nibs by Hill Farmstead Brewery. What were your thoughts on this beer?
1: Yeah, so honestly, it made me think of Monday's beer a whole lot, the IPA that we had, in the fact that it was kind of just a basic style, like nothing over the top, but it was well executed. It was just a great example of uh, kind of like a milk stout. This is definitely what what oh, kind of this vibe was y- going on. Yeah,
0: right? dude, I totally agree with you there because it was like, it was super toasty and roasty, but it, at, simultaneously it wasn't too acidic. Like yeah. it was really smooth. Uh, and oftentimes you find that in a milk stout. Yeah, was, there, there, gonna there's got to be lactose in there, right? It doesn't say it's that it's a milk stout at all. Okay. Well, uh, it tastes like that to me. And But it also is
1: just one of those things where it's uh, it's basic in its approach, but it's really, really well done. And so, um, yeah, I'd say it was clean and delicious. And it's still stout season where we are here in Atlanta. It's still, it's still somewhat cold. It's so still chilly. Yeah, uh, I dig it. Still I it still counts
0: as winter for sure. But yeah, so these were the first two Hill Farmstead beers that we've ever had. And I will say they were most excellent. They they're very good, but they didn't at the same time. They didn't completely blow my socks off like Fidens did those are the beers we had last week yeah the, uh monday and wednesday uh wednesday's beers from last week that michael and emily donated as well those be- beers completely i mean they blew, blew us both away yeah uh they were mind-blowing
1: well hill farm said it has apparently some of the best and, and these by the way are oh, totally so good oh, they're, they're very good but i think some of their barrel aged sours are maybe the the most oh, really after, i think hill farm uh, said so maybe so. one of these days we'll grab one of those that's the goal
0: i mean i would total. i would give these an a but the beers last week were like a plus plus yeah oh yeah agreed <laughs> for sure actually i I would give this an a plus it's just last week was just over the top it was way more than i think either of us were expecting yeah but incredibly appreciative to again michael and emily for sending these our way
1: for sure that's going to do it for this episode if you want show notes you can go to our website at howtomoney.com and as always you can find the best credit card for you at howtomoney.com slash credit cards but matt that's going to do it until next time best friends out best friends out Any department
0: can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work.
1: marketing.com.